Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Jake Landon. He's the marketing manager at Technology Publishing Company. Jake, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, so first off, I would like to ask you, what's your favorite part of of marketing? Because you do a lot of that. My favorite part of marketing is interacting on any level. So if that's social media or email marketing, I love interacting with our readers at PPC, that's one of my favorite things. I, You've seen my newsletters that I send out to people and I ask for people to contact me back. And that's been something that I've been growing. And I talk to contractors all over the nation, all over the world, actually. I talked to somebody from Australia yesterday, which was really awesome. So that that's really just getting to people and to your audience is my favorite part about marketing. Absolutely. Taking that communication, but this knowing that there's another person on the other end and, and interacting. Right. Yeah. Perfect. So many different people take different routes in marketing. And a lot of times they, they don't go through a, an educational route. They come through the side, but you've taken quite a, a hardcore educational route. Can you walk me through that? Because not everyone does that. Are you talking in terms of my college experience? Absolutely. You got your bachelor's, I think, in advertising, and then you got a master's in in marketing. And then I saw on your profile, you got tons of certifications in Google and classes. (laughs) And that's awesome. I love that education aspect, but I just want your view. What did you learn through the education side? And what what did you learn now that you're on the job and you're you're actually in it strategically and tactically day day in, day out? Right. So I always wish that I could bring more marketing students on board with me. Like I could just have a team of interns because that's been so helpful to learn. So what I did was I really went through a a digital marketing experience. That's how I tailored my master's degree. That's where the future is going with everything. Nice. So having all of those tools available to me to use and see in real time and not just, you know, the sandbox version of it is super, super helpful. The future of marketing is digital and it's all ethical stuff that's going on. So in the coming years, months, days, weeks, it's all going to be court cases with big tech companies and privacy laws. So everybody needs to be on top of that. And unfortunately, nobody really is. Whenever the GDPR came out, people were slow to get on board with that. But this is coming real quick with the new iOS update. We're about to see privacy laws like we've never seen before with Congress. Yeah. So when you talk about companies not being on top of that, give me some examples of things you see. You don't have to specify company names or anything, but just just things that you've seen that, that concern you that people should know about. The biggest thing is third-party trackers. So that's a cookie that is put on a website and it tracks you across different websites. So 
I'm not going to say any names, but there's a lot of, of companies that do use that and they heavily rely on that for their marketing materials. So what's important to know is that third-party cookies going to die at the end of 2021, if not at the beginning of 2021. So that that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen. The next is email scraping. That's where you don't get emails ethically. So you're just scraping online, getting emails. That's a big no-no. And you can really, really harm your email that way. Yeah. So, so okay. So those are the examples of things that people are going to have to move away from if they're doing it without knowing it. But how do you, how do, you do it right? I mean, uh, how, how do you guys approach it? Consent. Everything's about consent. So if you look at my company's website, it might be a little overboard with consent, but that's just the way that I wanted it to go because that's that's the future of it is you get better customers whenever you ask for their consent. So the pushback on that is, oh, we're going to lose our email database. We're going to lose customers. But what you're really getting is quality customers out of that because they're consenting to the materials. Yeah, absolutely. So... So you talked about practical experience and you know having a bunch of interns. So you came in with quite a, a heavy education. You had some practical because you were on the digital side and those tools are very accessible. What did you learn that you didn't get out of your education in the field? Real-time traffic to your website and seeing how they interact. I like to call things like rage clicking, for example. If, if somebody's clicking over and over on your website, there's something wrong, right? So you have to figure out why are they rage clicking on your website? What's wrong with the user experience on there? What's wrong with the UI on your website itself? So, I mean, being a marketer now, you have to almost be a front-end engineer as well. So I've started to learn code and and to help out my engineering team and to help out with the user experience. So it's all about making the user experience better. And the thing about it is you want your users to have an easy time on your website. You don't want it to be hard for them. You want it to be as easy as possible. So that's what it is for me. And the whole consent is making it easy for them because they know exactly what we're asking for. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's let's take a, a sort of a segue from from the marketing side to the industry that you're in. You service different publications, but the one that I know you from is your Paint Squared and Coatings and and whatnot. So, as someone that is coming into the industry, what was your impression coming in? So I honestly, I started off as a painter in high school. I did the commercial side. So I started off on our paint bid tracker. So that's a bid service. And my first impression was, well, holy crap, <laughs> all of this stuff with industrial coatings, I had, I had really no clue about. So I took that as a gigantic learning curve for myself. So learning all about the different types of industrial coatings and applications, surface preparation, I really took a liking to water and wastewater. And that's like a gigantic growing industry right now. So that itself was like going through college all again. So 
<laughs> anyone coming into my company, I think they should just go through PaintBid Tracker, learn all about PaintBid Tracker because you learn everything about the entire industry. <laughs> so, so PaintBid Tracker, from from my memory, was connecting sort of different bids to contractors. So they had specifications on jobs, timings, and stuff like that. Is that what you're referring to? Looking at that and trying to understand that, or are there further resources on that site? There's farther resources on that site. Okay. So with Paint Bid Tracker, it's really it's so much more than bids. It's it's data analytics, it's business intelligence, market reports. So you can pull up, let's say you're a, a paint brand, you can pull up a brand dashboard and see how many times your brand was specified. You can see the specifications that asset engineers and owners put into their documents that they want done. You can see how many contractors won, how much they bid, how much they left on the table. It's a really interesting tool. And it's honestly one that I don't talk that much about. And it's one that really deserves more credit in all honesty. Everything that's on that website is also edited by a real person. So that's what sets it completely apart from like any of the other bid services out there. Yeah. It's one of my favorite products that I work on. Yeah. So how how did that sort of come up? Because I do remember it launching like how many years ago? Is it is it five, six years ago? Or is it is it been around longer? It's been around for a long time, but the major website overhaul was around five or six years ago. So right before I came on board. Okay. Okay. And then I guess growth on that site is just adding more contractors or are you trying to get more people to submit their requests through that site? Like how, how does that work? Growth on that site. So all of the bids we crawl, we get everything ourselves. So our audience on there, it's suppliers, contractors, asset owners, you name it, anyone that's involved, they want a part of it. So contractors use it to bid. They also use it to study trends and see what they can bid in a certain area. Suppliers use it to see the data intelligence, what's going on, where they stand there with the brand rankings, what cities are specifying, what type of coding system and what brands and why. So there's honestly hundreds of reasons why people use it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you... You you got up on the the coding industry stuff through PaintBid Tracker. Now for I guess you said you interact with lots of different people contractors Contractor. in the industry. Like what sort of you know overall larger trends have you seen in terms of what they're asking about? Maybe not something sort of directly now, but things thinking towards the future. What sort of trends do you kind of extrapolate out of that? Water, wastewater, it's the biggest right now. And there's a lot of private asset owners. So that gets a little bit difficult to talk about with contractors because they don't really want to talk about it because they have that contract and they want to keep it to themselves. So, you know, whenever I talk to them about that kind of stuff, it's totally off the record. But if you... If you pull up our water and wastewater infrastructure in the United States alone, it's a there's a billion dollar, trillion dollar surplus backlog of projects that need done that all involve protective coatings. So that is massive right now. And that's where I see a lot of the contractors 
going towards. And any contractor listening to this, you should probably go towards that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I remember we, we've done some stuff in water and wastewater and definitely I, I noticed that there was lots of projects, but also lots of funding shortages in certain areas with water infrastructure being, I think, as old as 80 years old. Is that is that correct? In some places? There's some that's older. Some areas are still using wooden sewer systems, yeah. which is absolutely crazy. I remember seeing at Weft Tech, I went and saw that they had a, it was like a museum exhibit and it was showing the different types of wooden pipes that are still throughout America. And it's like the Roman aqueducts were better than what that stuff was. So this stuff is deteriorating fast and it all needs replaced. And then, the concrete stuff that's out there is really old and needs rehabilitation right now. So there's all kinds of products, services, and things out there that can rehab instead of just completely replacing a system. Yeah. So that, that is big, big, big. And I really think that that's going to be the biggest part of the industry moving forward. Yeah. So had the pleasure to talking to some sort of, veterans in the, the coding industry recently and they always talk about trying to track younger people into the coding industry and you probably have some better insights on this but how does the industry approach that so that's something that we talk about a lot as well people say to me how did we get you in here <laughs> and, and now you're now you're on the other side you're not even a, a contractor anymore so what everybody says is how many gray hairs are in the room and how do we get less of that? <laughs> so that's, that's been a big thing for years is, is figuring out how do we get younger people in the trades? I think honestly, since student debt is so such a gigantic hurdle on people now, I think people are going to start to see that trades aren't a bad idea at all. They're honestly not. If I wouldn't have went to school for marketing just that's just my passion i would have definitely stuck with being a paint contractor would have went for sure in the sewer rehabilitation <laughs> <laughs> so so take it your your marketing digital marketing expertise the big trend is taking your marketing digital whether you're a contractor or you know building materials company or coding manufacturer let's say a contractor that's starting out that doesn't do this stuff, where would you get them going on either social or digital? Like what would be like an entry thing that they could do to, to get going? So everybody needs one thing. If you're going to start off with digital marketing, the first thing you need to do is get a Google My Business. So what does that look like? Google sends you a little postcard in the mail with little packets says from Google, my business, and it's got a little code on it, right? I actually think I have it right here. Yeah, there it is from Google. And then you open it up and it has your code inside of there. Yeah. You put that code inside of there. That's how you get yourself up on Google so that you can be found on Google and then you can update that. So think about it. Whenever you're looking for something, what's the first thing you do? You hop on your phone and you Google it. So having yourself up on Google, that's step number one. Step number two, have a website, even if it's a WordPress, just get something up there. 
once you have that on there, you want to start to have that evergreen material. You want to tell client stories. You want to tell success stories. You don't want to just be an outright sales pitch. Nobody enjoys a sales pitch. Yeah. We want to know why we should go with you. We're interested. We're on your site. We don't need like an hour long sales pitch. We want to hear what other people had to say. So that's where everybody should start is with Google, your website, white papers, and just testimonials is honestly like the first thing that they should do. Absolutely. You said evergreen. For those that don't know what that is, how would you explain that? <laughs> so that's that's kind of like timeless materials. So that's like uh, if you create an infographic about what's special about your coding system, for example, that's an evergreen material. Unless, of course, you update how you manufacture that coding system, then it's not evergreen anymore, but it's evergreen up until that point. So that's evergreen materials, just timeless materials that you can use. Yeah, absolutely. What is uh, the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I've ever received? Read the book Strength Finder 2.0 and take the ah. <laughs> and take the test. Nice, <laughs> that, can, honestly, that's awesome. Can you share some bits of insight you got from your Strength Finder analysis? Yeah. So, for people that don't know, this is a a test that Gallup has created, and most managers they like to stick to your weaknesses and help build up your weaknesses. So what StrengthFinder 2.0 does is they identify your weaknesses, but they identify your strengths. And what they what the focus is is to focus on your strengths, build up your strengths, and then fill your team around you with what you are weak with. So instead of creating this burden on yourself to really heighten what you're poor at and what your weaknesses are, don't. There's no point. You should really fine tune what you're good at so that you can become an expert at that and always be great at it. And then you can always fill the void with people on your team. Wonderful. Okay. Now, what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? There's so much to be proud of. (laughs) Honestly, I I like to say that I'm prideless, but honestly, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) And in terms of what I'm proud of, At TPC, I'm really proud of how I turned the marketing around into being really personalized and adding a person and a face to our marketing program. And I'm the face of the program now. Obviously, everybody gets to see my picture in those emails now. But it's turned out to be a really big success and the results from it speak for themselves. I love whenever I send out an email and I hop on analytics and I watch the real-time report and I can see everybody going to the article that I'm talking about. I love that. I love that email chain that I created and I love talking about those articles. And it's my voice. Nobody's telling me like, Jake, do this. This is what I found interesting and what I think other people are going to find interesting. Wonderful. That's great. Is there anything else you want to pass on to the listeners? Just stay up to date with ethical marketing and stay on top of the big data, big big data, big tech companies. And I would hate to see smaller brands get hit with an FCC fine just because they're gonna they're they're going to want to slap down fines on people from the billion dollar companies to the million to the tens of thousand dollar companies. They're they're gonna do it across the board. So 
it's really important to stay up to date with that kind of stuff. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you can always consult with an expert like me. <laughs> well, thank you, Jake. Wonderful perspective. And yeah, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Seth. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.